this is Matt from the Man Cave. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching with your daily devotion for May the 6th. I don't know if you can tell today, but guys, it is so windy out here. Guys, today we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at a great story of God. And when we're looking at this story, one of the things it's going to show us very clearly, very distinctively, is who God is. Friends, I run into people all the time, and their main problem is their perception of how they think God is. They think God to be a way differently than what this way says he is, okay? They say, oh, he's like this, or he would never do that. But friends, here's the thing. God gave us the word of God so we would understand, so there would be such clarity, so we would have such distinct insight to who he is. And here's the thing. Even when we make it to heaven as born-again Christians, we're not going to understand everything there is about God. It's impossible. Why? Why? Because he's God. Guys, we'll start in verse 1. And listen to this. It says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one having six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two did he fly. Verse 3, okay? And one cried unto the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Are you starting to see a glimpse a little bit? Verse 5, and said I, woe is me. (laughs) Okay, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Okay, so here we have Isaiah, okay? He's in the throne room of God, okay? And here's the thing, he's dumbstruck. He says, listen, listen, I am a man of unclean lips and I, I dwell among a people who are just trash talkers, who are sinners, who are filled with iniquity, Lord. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm here because of God's what? God's holiness, okay? Verse six says this, then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Us. Why is he saying us? Because Jesus is sitting on the right hand side of the Father. That's why it's us. Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. So here's the thing. It's the call of Isaiah. God is going to call specifically Isaiah to a specific task in his life. He's already been used of God. He's been doing all kinds of things for the ministry. He's been led by the Spirit of God and he's been accomplishing the things that God has placed on his heart and God has spoken to him. But now God is giving him a specific call. And oftentimes this will come in your life and my life. And the specific call is this. It's hard. What God is going to ask some of us to do is very difficult. It's very hard. Okay. And here's the thing. That's why the special call. So you can always refer back to God called me to this. And here's the thing. When you're joining God in what he's doing, you can't fail. Okay. But sometimes he has to do this in our lives because of the task that is at hand. Let's go back to first one. It says in the year King Uzziah died. I just did a devotion. Okay. And if you look in the playlist, it's not but five days ago. And, and the picture says pride with the eye 
I being really big, okay? And the story of Uzziah. Uzziah, according to scripture, was a great king. He was doing everything right. He was getting godly counseled. He was being mentored. He was being discipled. He was going to certain places, destroying, okay, all the Baal worship, the temples. He was getting rid of this junk, this idolatrous stuff all over. And God was using this king mightily. And God's favor was upon him. The mantle of the Lord was upon him. But here's the thing. Within the text and within that story, I said, pride led to his downfall. He got too big for his britches. And so what does King Uzziah do? Watch this very carefully because I want you to go back and watch that video. He goes into the temple, okay, well, oh, and, and he wants to burn incense unto the Lord. He had the right heart, but he was going about it the wrong way. And a lot of us are doing that thing because why? We're not trusting God. We're not doing it God's way. It has to be God's way. If it's not God's way, guess what? You're not going to get a reward for wanting to do something for the Lord. It always has to be God's way, okay? So he goes in there, and here's the thing. Leprosy breaks out on him, okay? And he, God, God. Who, who are we talking about today? We're talking about God. God kills him. God kills the good king, okay? You, Isaiah loved this king because this king had done so much for the land of Israel, for Judah. He's a rabbit trail. No, I'm not. I'm coming back to the text, okay? Isaiah is so upset. He is just so upset because now the kingdom is in turmoil. You had a good king and now what's going to take place? Here's the thing. You're going to have another king. It's just like the flip of a quarter. Is this guy going to follow God? The ways of God, the means of God, follow the laws of God or not? Uh, and if not, guess what? They go right back into idolatry, which means God is going to bring judgment across the land. Nobody likes the judgment of God. Nobody likes the chastening of God. Nobody likes when God brings it, but they're crying out when they're under affliction. This text is talking about another king. See what I'm saying? Isaiah doesn't need to worry about the king that just left the throne here on earth because there's another king that this text is talking about. And his sovereignty rules over all. He is all-powerful. He is the only potentate, okay? There's only one God, okay? Jehovah in three persons, the triunity of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why when the text says, holy, 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 it's referring to the Trinity, the triunity of God, the Godhead, okay? That's what it's referring to. What's going on here, okay? So you got God who is in control. So this is what God's trying to tell Isaiah. Isaiah is probably down and out. He's bothered. He's not very effective in this life, in ministry doing the things that God wants him to do. So he's given the opportunity, he's given the privilege, he's given this, this wonderful vision, okay, where he actually is in the Spirit, in heaven, witnessing the throne room of God, okay, and he's seeing it as it is. And now, he, here he is bugged about Uzziah, who's dead because of God's judgment, but now he's seeing a greater king, and now he's like, it's okay, I'm all right now. I don't need to worry. I see who's sitting up on the throne. See, a lot of people, they take God off the throne. They think they're on the throne. Humanists say there is, there's a throne. Everyone admits there is a throne. But who sits on it? Here's the thing. The Bible tells us exactly who sits on it. Jehovah, the great I am. That's who sits on it. On the right hand side of the Father is Jesus and the Spirit dwells. Okay? So you have the whole there. trinity. So Isaiah is seeing it as it is. Okay? Not sugar-coated. And so much so that the angels are there. Why do they have six wings? I know there's someone out there. Why do they have six wings? Watch this because this will help you to understand God's what? holiness, separation from sin, okay? He's not your good old buddy. He's holy God, okay? Two are covering their face, humility. They're not even looking at God. Two are covering their feet, humility. Two, they're flying around doing what God would ask them to do, okay? As, as Isaiah sees this, okay, he's dumbstruck. He understands, oh my goodness, I'm a sinful person. I'm depraved. 
I'm rotten to the core. I'm filthy rags. Just like the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 3. He says, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none to understand God. There's none that actually even seek God. Without God, you would never even seek Him. It's God that helps you to seek Him. Who gives you discernment, understanding, draws you unto Himself, gives you a spirit of conviction so you can repent before Him. Without God, you can't even say sorry. Do you understand that? You can't get saved because the Bible says that faith is a gift of God. God doesn't give saving faith to everybody as much as you want to think it, okay? And He doesn't give a spirit of repentance to everybody. So those people who are playing lip service to God, that's rejected. Oh God, I, you know, they party, they've been living like hell, and they've been doing all this different stuff, and then come Sunday morning, Grandma drags them to church, and they want to throw out a couple words from God as if that will cover it, okay? Does it cover it? Because you're not under the blood. You're outside of the fold. You're, you're the wolf, okay? You're the chaff, okay? You're the Darnell seed. You're outside of the fold. You're just playing games with God up until the time that you die, and then guess what? You'll open your eyes in hell. If you don't want that, get right with God. So friends, these angels, they grab a coal, a live coal. I like that because some people think it's figuratively. Oh, you know, he just thought it. No, they take a real live coal. That's how real it is to be in a vision or in the spirit, okay? And what they do, they place it to his mouth, okay? And it purges him. Who God says is clean is clean. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed, okay? Once God pardons you, nobody can be against you. If the highest judge in the land says, not guilty, you're not guilty, but you need to act like a child of God. That's a whole nother thing, okay? As these seraphim are crying out, holy, 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 okay? Watch what happens. The place is moving, meaning the, 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 the pillars are shaking, okay? The place is filled with smoke. The, the, the train of God, meaning this, like his robe, is flowing all throughout there, okay? And you're like, can you just imagine? And some of you can't, okay? Because you don't have spiritual eyes to see. But some of you can imagine a little bit. But no matter how much you and I can envision this, can imagine it, it's nothing like you and I being there. Paul went there, okay? Yeah. Isaiah went there. There's lots of people who have been given this vision, okay? Been able, been, been given the gift of seeing the throne room. They're never the same. And they never treat God the same because they understand this. They understand God is holy. They understand that their foolish conduct before God is nonsense. They can't be living like this. They can't be acting like this. Well, because I need to earn my way to heaven? No, no, no. Because you're a child of the living God. God expects differently from his children. You're not behaving to get to heaven. Jesus took care of that on the cross. His blood, royal blood, perfect blood, sinless blood, died for you. It was applied to you if you will accept that free gift, okay? But no, now I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of royalty. And listen, listen. I'm telling you all this for this one thing. What is this text showing us? It's showing us a glimpse of who God is. High and lifted up, holy, separated from sin. That's what it's showing us. It's showing us the response when sinful man stands in the presence. Okay, in the Old Testament, we talked about the Israelites couldn't come near the mountain when God was hovering over the mountain with fire and lightning, okay? And all of who he has, his, his aboding glory, okay? The Shekinah glory resting upon that, the weight of his glory upon that mountain. They couldn't get anywhere near that because of why? They can't approach holiness. They can't approach God. Do you understand why when God says, Jesus which is part of me because he is me, is the only way. I know there's some people out there saying, well, I don't hear God. You know why you don't hear God? Sin. Sin clouds up the communication. In Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, it says this, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. Meaning this, God hears and sees everything that's going on, and he can save any individual he wants to at any time in their life. Anytime. It's according to his purpose, his plan, his sovereign will. But verse 2, it says this, But 
But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you, that He won't even hear you, okay? Friends, that's why when I'm talking about leading a life of righteousness, leading, walking the narrow path, doing the things that you know the Bible says to do, as you respond to what God has given you, the light that He has shown you through His Spirit, through His Word, through pastors, through messages, okay, all the different ways that God is feeding you, and you respond correctly to that, you will hear God's voice. There's a lot of Christians they don't hear God. When I'm talking about the still small voice, they don't hear God. And so when they're listening to a message like this, what do they do? I'm not hearing God. God says, my sheep will hear my voice. Why am I not hearing his voice if I'm saved? Okay, you're saved. Let's just say you are saved, but you're in sin. You're in iniquity. You're in the things of this world. So you're not hearing God. Okay, as you will start to get the dross out of your life, make the right decisions. Okay, now I'm saying you're saved. Okay, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. Okay, so you're not trying to earn your way to God. You're already going to God because of the blood atonement. Okay, because of Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross. Okay, what you accepted by faith and how you've been responding ever since then. Okay, but what I'm saying is you've allowed things into your life and so you can't hear anything. You're going through this life blinded. It's only by God's mercy and long-suffering, forbearance and patience that He is safeguarding you somewhat because He is going to allow chastening into your life and heartache and sorrow and pain to get you back where you need to be. I'm not asking you to be perfect. What I'm asking you to do is do the things that you already know you need to do. And each and every one of us, if we will look in the mirror and we will examine the things that God is pleased with and the things that God is not pleased with, we know what to do. We know the decisions we need to make. We, need, we know the relationships we need to break off. We know the groups that we need to leave because they are opposite of this God. Go back to verse 8. It says this. Let me read it. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? I love that. Okay. Plural. The Godhead. Okay. Then I, Isaiah says this. Here, Hanani, in the, you know, Hanani in the Hebrew means, here am I, send me. How many mission conferences have I been to? And that was their whole focus. God send asking me. Isaiah to do. Because we said that this special call was because God was going to ask him to do something very, very difficult. Now you will have a hard time swallowing this, what's about to take place next. Why? Because here's the thing. A lot of people have built what they think God is. It's not based on the Bible. Friends, listen to what he's called to do in verse 9. Just listen to this. It says, and he said to him, this is God speaking, Go and tell the people, Hear you indeed, but you understand not. And you see indeed, but you perceive not. Meaning this, in another translation it says, You have eyes to see, but you don't see. And you have ears to hear, but you're not hearing. Why, Why aren't they hearing? Why aren't they seeing? We just went over it in Isaiah 59. Because of iniquity, by sins. Because of their choices, their decisions. Not to do it God's way. That's, that's why they're not hearing. That's why they're not seeing. Sin blinds you and makes you deaf. Okay? And so there's so many people out there, Christians included, who are blind and deaf, not seeing the hand of God, the purpose of God for their life, and they're destroying their life and they're wasting their life, okay? And they're a detriment to Christianity, okay? Because others are looking at your life and you're not living the life that God wants you to live as a child of the living God, okay? You look like a child of Satan, but you're claiming the heritage of a child of God. Verse 10. Make, listen to what he's asking them to do. Make the heart of this people fat. Make their ears heavy. Shut their eyes. At least they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart. Be converted, be healed. So it's telling us, one positive is saying this. If you will get it right, repent before God, you'll be healed. Not just physically, but spiritually, but emotionally, but all the different aspects of your life will be healed. 
Some of you are needing a breakthrough in your life and you haven't got it because you're still dabbling in the things of the world and in sin and in iniquity, okay? And so he's telling them, here's the thing, make the heart of this people fat. See, now God isn't giving them the opportunity to repent. Remember when I said repentance was a gift from God and faith was a gift from God? Now he's saying this, just make it fat. Just keep on putting it out there, okay? Put it in front of them because every word that comes from the mouth of God is not going to return void, okay? God says, my word will not return void. So what's happening is, he's just going to keep on speaking. They're going to keep on ignoring. He, he, he would ask, I see, I love this guy. He's asking a question like you and I would ask. We understand what God just said. Keep on preaching it. Oh, they're not going to listen to you. And, and the more you preach, the more blind they're going to be, the more deaf they're going to be, and the more I'm going to judge them, okay, and the more I'm going to pour out my wrath and my anger on them. These are God's children, folks. Is there, anything, is there a reason that you don't think he won't bring it to your life and my life? These are God's children that he's talking about. We're not talking about the heathen world. We're talking about the house of God here, okay? And he says a question. I love it. How long, Lord? I mean, I hear what you're saying. How long? The Lord said, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant. They're all dead or dragged over to Babylon. Alright, the house is without man and the whole land is utterly destroyed. Meaning this, I want you to keep on preaching the gospel. Okay, preaching my word, preaching my law, preaching everything that I give you, Isaiah, they're going to ignore you. As they do, they're heaping up judgment upon judgment upon judgment. They are the blind leading the blind, just like Jesus' word said, okay? First, verse 12 says there's going to be a great forsakening, okay? Why? Why is this great forsakening? Because of sin. People don't understand sin because they don't understand God. If we would understand God, we would understand sin. The things that God hates, we have to hate. The things that God loves, we have to love. Everybody, when we're talking about Moses, and I love the stories of Moses, guys, don't get me wrong, and I'm not coming down on you, okay? Listen, I love the story of Moses with the burning bush. It's so totally awesome, isn't it? You know, he has a staff, he's out there with all the sheep, he has to turn from what he was doing in this life and turn, because he saw lots of burning bushes. He's in the middle of the desert, it's hot. Bushes burst into flames all the time, but this one just kept on burning. God says this, take off your shoes for the place that you're standing is what? It's holy ground. See, if you start to understand a little bit about who God is, you're going to understand a little bit about what that means. We just hear it and we keep on going. God is holy. God is high and lifted up. God can't look at sin, okay? When Jesus, his own son, who he is, okay, realize this. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. As Jesus is dying on the cross, God turns his back on him. He didn't turn his back on his son because in his heart, when we don't see God's hand, we know his heart. Jesus knew God loves me, but God the Father has to turn away from the sin. Whose sin was it on Jesus? Listen very carefully. Whose sin was it? Was it Jesus' sin? He was the perfect Lamb of God. It's not his sin. It's your sin. It's my sin. It's the world's sin that was placed upon Jesus, okay? And Jesus died that horrible, horrible death, okay? If you read Isaiah 52 and 53, you will see you couldn't even recognize Jesus. He was beat, okay? He was despised. He was spit on. His flesh was swollen. He was shredded like in a meat grinder with that cat of nine tails by that Roman soldier, okay? So when a person rejects the way that God the Father, Holy God, 
has chosen for you to get saved, you are rejected, Anybody friend. Anybody who knows who Charles Spurgeon is, okay, about a hundred years ago, they called him the prince of preachers, okay? You know what he said about the remaining verses of this text? Isaiah's commission was to preach him right into the gates of hell and beyond. Can you imagine? He had to go, okay, and preach the gospel, knowing they were ignoring it, knowing they weren't going to repent, knowing they weren't going to respond, knowing that he was going to get insults and chastisement. He was to preach that gospel, okay? Preach him right on into hell. It's no different than today. There are frontline warriors, those godly pastors who are in churches where the people are not responding. Why? Verse 12 says this, there would be a great forsakening. Where are we going from here? It sounds kind of gloomy and doomy, Matt. You know what I mean? It's not gloomy and doomy for the person who's living in righteousness. I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm asking you this. Look at, look at very carefully. All I'm asking you, and I'm not even asking you, it's the Lord asking you, be my child. Obey me. Follow me. Let me be your God. That's what he's saying the whole time. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love thy neighbor as thyself. That's what God's asking you to do. It's not mad asking you to do it, okay? When you will do that, your life will change dramatically like that, okay? You're one prayer away from getting it right when reads God. like this. But yet, in it all, there's going to be a tenth. He talks about the remnant. He's talking about 10% out of everybody. Go to the grocery store today. Go to Walmart today. Count 100 people. Out of every 100, 10 are saved. That's what God said. Over and over again, that percentage seems to come up. When God's talking about the narrow road, friends, He means it's narrow. God is asking this of you. He's saying this. Who shall I send? Who, who will go for us? Friends, how about you? H how about you hearken unto the call of God? to live a, a life that's pleasing to God, a life that brings glory God to God. He's asking this question of you. He's saying this, who shall I send? Who will go for us? How about you and I volunteer in the man cave? And we're like, hey, I'll go, Lord. I'll live that life. I'll live in the light that you shine. I'll be salt and light to a dark and dying world. I'll do all the things that you say in your word. Let me be the man. Let me be Isaiah. Let me be Ezekiel. Let me be Jeremiah. Let me be the Daniel, okay? And enable me through your spirit to live that life that I can't live enough of myself and be like these other pillars of righteousness in the Old Testament. Who shall I send? Who will go for us? Meaning God is talking to Jesus. He's like, can you imagine the conversation? God's up there. He's like, who can we send? I mean, they're scratching their heads. They're like, who can we send? And Jesus says, who's going to go for us? Can you imagine God the Father, God the Son having this conversation because there's just such a small remnant of people to live that life? Who will go to churches? Who will knock on doors? Who will go to nursing homes? Who will help feed the poor and help the blind? Who will do this and this and this? And it's different for each and every one of us that are watching this in the man cave, okay? Each of us has gifts, talents, abilities. We have a life that God has placed in us and we have resources and we have different people that we know we can accomplish so much for the kingdom of God. Who will go? Will you go for God? This is Matt from the Man Cave.